This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Yes, Bride of Christ, it's a privilege for me to be able to address you in this day. My name is Vilio, for those who, who don't know me, and I've had the privilege of being part of the congregation for the past seven years. Um, yeah, seven. It's like time flies when you're having fun, but seven is a biblical number. But next year will be year eight, God willingly. So we take it my year by year. Um, the title, in a sense, of what I, yeah, what I feel the Lord laying on my heart, what He's laid on my heart for us um, in this week is the God we manage. Um, so I'd like for us to turn to our Bibles to um, the book of First Samuel and chapter 15. Um, <clears throat> where we find the account of Saul and his interaction with King Agag of the Amalekites um, and how he was, how he followed God or tried to follow God and tried to be obedient to God um, in this process. Um, the scriptures will be on the screen so you can follow on your screen as well or otherwise follow in your Bibles um, as we'll be spending quite some time in this passage of scripture together. Um, I'd like to read for us from verse, verse 1. And as we go along, I might mention one or two things about the background um, and about exactly what was going on at the time, so, so that we understand exactly. Okay, I'm excited. I can also see that you are very excited. So verse 1, it says the following, Samuel also said to Saul, <clears throat> So Samuel was a prophet, Saul was the king of Israel at the time. The Lord sent me to anoint you king, over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I'll punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed them on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah, all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Verse 9, But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Now let's just stop there quickly. So through the prophet Samuel, God told King Saul to completely destroy the Amalekites, to um, kill their women, their children, to destroy everything, the livestock, everything. But in verse 9, we see that Saul did the contrary in a sense. He, he, he spared what was good. He spared what was pleasing. Um, but everything that was not pleasing on the eye, everything that he despised, that, that he destroyed utterly. Um, so it's a bit of a plot twist. It's like, okay, 
And verse 10, let's go, let's continue. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I've set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. And he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is the bleating of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So Samuel comes, um, in a sense, to, to meet Saul with this expectation that everything has been killed as per instruction of the Lord. But then he says, what's this that I hear? So I just picture this setting of Samuel walking into this camp and suddenly, instead of there being a deafening silence in a sense, there's the sound of sheep and of oxen. And it's like, what is going on? Because all these things were supposed to have, have been dead. Um, that's what leads Samuel to asking, um, what then is the, this bleating of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And then Saul says that they, they being the people, um, the people of Israel, have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Verse 16, Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I'll tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? So this is Saul. Saul was little in his own eyes and the Lord anointed him king over Israel. Verse 18. Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So Saul defends himself and says, But I did do what God said. I, I did go on this mission. I did um, bring back the king Agag and I did destroy the Amalekites utterly. Verse 21 says, this is still Saul speaking, mind you, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And just a, a slight comment here. It seems like it's a good thing, you know, to sacrifice these sheep to the Lord, to sacrifice the oxen. It really does seem like a good thing. Um, but there's still a but, which is contrary to, to the word of God, to the initial instruction of the Lord, which he gave through his prophet Samuel. Verse 22, so Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion 
is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned, for I've transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. Amen. We're going we're gonna to park it there for now. And what I felt on my, on my, my heart for, for this day is to, to really share regarding the different characters in this passage of Scripture. Um, because as we read, there were different people um, that, were, that were involved. Different decisions were made at, a, at certain points. And the first character that I'd like for us to look at is Saul. So who are Saul? And that's what we always do in reading scriptures, asking questions of the characters that we don't know of and reading back. And usually if you just turn a few chapters back, an explanation will be given, um, although lengthy. And who is Saul? Who was Saul? So Saul was the son of Kish. If you look um, in the earlier chapters of First Samuel, and he was a king. He was appointed by the Lord, but in a sense, on demand of the people because the people wanted a king. And the Lord anointed Saul um, through, through Samuel. But it's very interesting to note that the day that Saul was anointed as king, he, he asked of Samuel and said, who am I in a sense? You know, I'm from the, the lowest tribe, from the lowest family in all of Israel. He was a Benjamite and the Benjamite Benjamins were, were at the bottom of the food chain in a sense of, of the tribes in Israel. Um, so he, was, he had such humility in his own eyes, but physically he was a man of stature. He, had, he was a man of choice, the Bible even says. He was, he, was, he was quite big in stature. He was taller than any other man in Israel. Um, in a sense, he was, yeah, I can imagine, probably like the biggest rugby player that you can, that you can think of. He was like huge. Um, so in the natural, it looked like, yo, this guy can actually be our king. So he was appointed as king. Um, but even early on in his reign, looking at the, at the, at the earlier chapters in, in Samuel, we see that there was, there was this thing of, of, of making sacrifices. And he would make sacrifices, but they were, in a sense, insubordinate in that he was never meant to do that. There were, there were, there were presumptuous sacrifices. Um, but what I really want to get to regarding Saul's character um, is a few traits. And the first one we find in verse 24 of what we just read. And when the prophet Samuel questions him and asks him, why have you not obeyed the Lord? His, his response after being confronted by the prophet is, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. So Saul feared the people. He feared people. Um, and in a sense, it, it made sense because he was the king that the people desired. And he lived, in a sense, to please people. And because he lived to please people, he was not able to be obedient to the Lord. And similarly for us, if we live for the opinions of people, if we live to satisfy people, people's desires, people's expectations of us, because the people had a lot of expectation of Saul, and we'll get to the people just now um, in a bit more detail. Um, but if we do that, 
we can never be obedient to God because we will always obey who we fear. So whether it's a person, whether it's a thing, we will always be obedient to that which we fear. And it's, it's challenging um, because it, naturally you don't want people to hate you. It's so easy to have a desire for people to please you. But at the end of the day, we have to make a decision many of the times. Are we going to please God or are we going to please people? So that was the first, the first characteristic of, of, of Saul. Secondly, he, he rebelled. And verse 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now, rebellion, it, it can be so subtle. And to rebel means basically to do the contrary of what the law or the instruction which was given. So it's to go against God's word, to do the opposite. Um, and usually we think of rebellion in a, in a sense of, okay, there's a king in a city and there's a group of rebels and they all take up arms and want to overthrow the king. But in relation to obeying the Lord, it is so easy to, to just in a subtle way be disobedient to the Lord. And that's what exactly what Saul did. Um, because in verse, in verse 20, Saul answered Samuel and said, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took up the plunder. So in Saul's mind, he, he, he was doing what the Lord said. You know, he, he, he did, but the problem was he had only done it halfway, in a sense. And the Lord doesn't understand 50% obedience or 80% obedience. Everyone was supposed to be utterly destroyed in this specific context. And thirdly, um, Saul was stubborn, you know, Saul was really stubborn. And if you see in the chapters before, there were many times where the prophet Samuel confronted him, especially specifically in chapter 13, where Saul was waiting for Samuel to come because he had to make a decision to go to war against the Philistines, but Samuel wasn't there to make the offering. So Saul presumptuously made the offering himself um, and he didn't wait for Samuel. He was impatient. And because of that, there was a certain stubbornness, a certain impatience that Saul had. Um, and when you're stubborn, scripture says it's, it's like idolatry, the stubbornness to God's word. It's like a donkey in the road. You know, God tells you, do this, do this, do this, do this. But no, we have to go around that tree like a thousand times. I've been in that position so many times before. Um, I've been a soul so many times before. And it's, it's, it's an unpleasant experience um, when the Lord rebukes you. Because first he speaks to you in a still small voice. And then he sends somebody and then on and on and on and on. And it's because of his grace that he continually speaks to us in that sense. But we are going to pick up some pace now. And um, the second character that I'd like for us to, to look at is the people. Um, and who are these people that are continually being spoken about in the passage? These people are the Israelites, the people of God. And they too had certain characteristics which led them, brought them to this moment where they could keep for themselves certain, certain animals, certain, certain oxen, certain sheep to sacrifice to the Lord. Um, and in so disobey the Lord. 
And um, the first question that I want to wanna pose to us is why, why did the people of Israel, these people, why did they want a king? Why did they want a king to rule over them in the first place? And there are, there are several reasons, but if you go back into in the book of Samuel, you see that there was, there was a fear that the people had. Because at the time, Samuel was growing old. Samuel was the judge of Israel. So he, in a sense, when there were civil disputes or matters as such, he would judge between people. But Samuel's sons were disobedient and did not walk in the fullness of, of, of God, did not walk like their father. And because of this, um, the Ammonites came against the people of Israel and they feared and they said, we need a king so that we can be like the other nations, um, so that we can be led like the other nations are also led by a man. But this upset God so much because the plan from the beginning was always for God to be the king. And God heeded to them and said, I'll give them what they want um, because God does not force himself on us in that sense. Uh, he, he gives us over to the desires of our hearts when we persistently, stubbornly pursue them. And he gives them this king that they, they wanted. Um, but he tells them and through the prophet Samuel that this king, if you do not fear the Lord and if you do not serve him with all your heart, eventually all this is going to lead to your downfall. These kings are going to oppress you. These kings are going to do... But it was, it was really bad. Because plan A was to always have God as king. But because of fear, because also it's uncomfortable to trust in a God that we can't see. You can't go to him. You, you constantly have to trust that God is in control. You can't physically seek his counsel and say, Lord, I'm coming to you physically. You have to trust. You have to exercise your faith. And that's why they, they wanted a king. They wanted a physical king that they could see. And then finally, they wanted a king because they, they would be able to control him. They would be able to, to manage him in a sense. Um, they would be able to exert a certain influence over him. And this is what, exactly what we see going on in this passage of Scripture. That Saul, although he had a good intention, he wanted to do what the Lord wanted. There was this battle with here the people. This is what the people are saying. And the people were able to influence him and manipulate him in that sense. And similarly for us, so many times when we're afraid, so many times when we're tired of waiting on the Lord, so many times when we want to have control, we want to create for ourselves other kings and we desire for other things to rule over us than God. We desire for our own ambitions, our own dreams, something that we physically see and which we have control over to rule over us instead of God. And if you look at the, 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 the earlier chapters of, of Samuel, the chapters before chapter 15, the reason which the prophet Samuel gives is that for the people's desire for a king is that they forgot. They forgot where God brought them from. They forgot the stories that their fathers had told them of the sea parting. They forgot. And similarly for us, when we desire to to, to submit ourselves to, to idols knowingly, to submit ourselves to the powers of this world, um, to our habits, to, to, to compromise, to pleasing people. It's many times because we, for, we forget. We forget 
what God has saved us from. We forget our salvation, that God has saved us. He truly saved us. We were dead in our sins. Scripture says in Romans 5 verse 8 that, you know, in this God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. It's amazing. We were dead, but now we're alive. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech thee, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light, you know, in light of his mercies, to present yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. This is the natural thing to do. So the natural thing after God has saved us, taken us from the kingdom of darkness, is to dedicate our lives to him and serve him completely and have him as our king. But ever so often we desire to, to have another king. We desire to, to, to even rule over ourselves. And then finally, the last character that, that we, we, we get in this narrative is, is Samuel. Now, Samuel was born, born to Hannah. Hannah was um, barren until Samuel was born. Um, Hannah was Elkanah's husband, Elkanah's wife. Sorry, I had it the other way around. Um, but if you read in... Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah cries out to the Lord and says, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll dedicate him to you. Long story short, he was dedicated to the Lord from a young age and he served the Lord from a young age. And we see a sharp contrast between the life of Saul and the life of Samuel. Saul, um, Samuel didn't live to fear people. He feared God more than people. He lived to please God. He lived... Um, to, to, to take a stand and confronted the king. Even in this passage, he confronts the king because he knows that this is what God has said. He didn't compromise. And we also see in, in Samuel this, 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 this desire to, 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 not be, to not be comfortable. He gave up comfortability because when you're pleasing people and when you're doing what people want, there's, there's a certain measure of comfort that comes. But the moment that we say yes to the call of Christ, the moment that we say yes to what God has said, there's an uncomfortability that comes. But hallelujah, that's, that's where the Holy Spirit comforts us. Because the Bible says He is the comforter. And the comforter doesn't take away or doesn't make us comfortable rather. But he makes us bold in the face of adversity, in the face of trials and tribulation. And then finally, Samuel also gave up control to God. He gave up all control to the Lord. And in like 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 Saul was accused for, you know, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft involves a lot of controlling, a lot of exerting control. But the moment we give up that control, and we are like Samuel. Um, there's such a freedom, actually, and such a safety that we find, that we find in the Lord. And I remember being in, um, in Malawi, and this is just to tie back to even Samuel's you know, condition of, of heart to do exactly what God said. Because, you know, we can be obedient to the Lord to an extent of, okay, my flesh is satisfied now. So because my flesh is satisfied, I'm going to stop there. Um, but Samuel dedicated himself to completing God's word entirely. And I remember being in Malawi on mission and, you know, we were preaching the gospel. People were getting healed. People were getting delivered. It was amazing. And I thought to myself and I shared later with the team that, you know, if we came for the testimony and if we came to almost please our flesh, we can actually just stop preaching now because we've already seen in a sense, everything that 
we could take home as a story. We've seen it. We've seen um, people, people be healed. We've seen people be delivered. We've seen people come to salvation. But we continued preaching and continued praying for the sick because God's word had to be fulfilled, that the whole town had to hear of the gospel. It wasn't for the satisfaction of our flesh. It wasn't to, to please the pastors or to take stories home, to take testimonies home. It was so that God's word is fulfilled. And similarly, God calls us to be obedient to him every day. It's not for the Facebook likes. It's not when there's hashtags trending. It's not when the whole world is talking about it and you know you'll get the approval of men. It's on a Monday morning when there's no worship music in the background and you're standing in checkers and God says, share a word with that lady. What do we do? It's when you walk past your neighbor's house and the Lord says, you know, go to them and, and, and pray for them and speak to them. Um, because that's what pleases God. And I'd like to close and in asking us, who is our king? Who is the king of our, of our lives? For Saul, he was his own king. Um, and in a sense, the people were his king. He, he lived for the people. For the people, Saul was their king. And they tried to control him. They tried to manipulate him. May we not serve a God of our own making, whom we can control, who we can manage, who we can exert our influence over. But may we serve the one true God. And that's the God that Samuel served. Excuse me. That's the God that Samuel served. He served a God that he didn't have control over, but a God that led him, that guided him, that directed him. And I've, I've been challenged of late. Um, that does, does God still surprise you? Does God still surprise me? Does God still take me out of my comfort zone? Am I still challenged in his presence? Am I still in awe? Do I still remember what he saved me from? And that's what I'd like to, to, to leave with us. Um, that we, we're either a soul, we're either part of the crowd of the people, or we are Samuel and we're standing boldly for God's word. And if we are disobedient, scripture is clear in Romans 6 and verse 23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. I'd like to pray for us. Father God, we exalt you and we give you praise. Thank you for your word, that your word doesn't change, that you don't cast a shifting shadow, that yesterday, today, and forever you are the same. We give ourselves to you, Lord, and we say we want you to be our king. Father God, where we have made kings of, of idols, of sin, of ourselves, of other people in our lives, Father, we repent father god we say forgive us lord come and heal us of this iniquity and thank you father for the for the for the gift that you have given us in christ jesus that we might have eternal life lord and we say we want that lord remind us father in this week of of what you have done in our lives and what you have saved us from in jesus mighty name we pray amen May the Lord bless you and keep you. And remember, God is our King. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. 
Go to www.chevronline.tv to download and share.